Mark 4, 35 to 41. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them, with them in a boat, just as he was. The other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he, he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to, another, to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Morning, everyone. Good to see you. Uh, I will start by praying. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your great love to us that you've shown us in the Lord Jesus. We thank you that by your Holy Spirit, you come to live in us and work in us. We pray that you would work in us, that we may understand what it is you are saying to us in your word this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. So, uh, I, I love this passage. I've always loved this passage. It's a wonderful one. I'm sure uh, many of us have uh, lots of good memories of, of reading this. And um, I'd like to start with a story that isn't this story, and then we'll get into this story, which is way better than my anecdote. So, one of, one of my friends, um, I haven't seen her in a while, but uh, she, she once met a guy in a lift, um, and she was at some event in a hotel in Perth, I think it was. And um, she just got chatting to the guy, as you do in a lift. Um, and 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 basically, they were they were having this conversation, going back and forth, and and um, talking about what they do. And she's like, "Oh, what do you do?" And and he's like, "Oh, he's he's in a band." And she's like, "Oh, cool." Then um, they start talking about what kind of music they like. So um, she was like, "Oh, I love rock music." And he was saying, "Yeah, he he likes rock music too." Uh, and then. Um, and she, she started saying she really likes the band Cold Chisel. Does anyone know Cold Chisel here? Yeah, cool, getting some nods. Um, and, um, and, and he was like, okay, yeah. So, um, so then they started talking about the song Working Class Man. Um, people familiar with that song? Yeah. Um, sung by Jimmy Barnes. It's not actually a Cold Chisel song, but nevertheless, the lead singer is the same. Um, and so they start singing this song in the lift. Um, and they're uh, really, you know, singing it as loudly as they can. And, um, and he's really going for it. And then, and then she says, no, 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 that's not exactly right. <laughs> you, need to, you need to really make it sound a bit more gravelly in your voice to really sound like the original. And, um, and so eventually their lift stops. Uh, they get off the, the lift, go their separate ways. And later she finds out that it was Jimmy Barnes in the, in the lift with her. <laughs> yeah. The guy who made that song famous. <laughs> The lead singer of, of the band they were talking about was the guy in the lift. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, my friend's the kind of person who would just laugh that off and, you know, not, not find that absolutely mortifying. <laughs> she doesn't take herself that seriously. But um, the, the point of that story being that she didn't realize who he was at first. Um, and when she did, it all made sense. So the, the, the today we're, we're going to be seeing how uh, the disciples ask a question at the end of something Jesus does. And they ask, who is this? Who then is this? Um, and so today we're going to see how uh, something that, that there's a situation arises. Jesus addresses that situation. Um, and then we see uh, 
what that tells us about Jesus and how we are to respond to him. So that, uh, um, if, you, if you've been looking um, closely as, we, as Kath read that passage, you'll see that it's a great passage. It uses the, the word great a number of times. Um, and so we've got a great windstorm, a great calm, we've got a, and we've got a, uh, there's another one in there as well. Um, we'll find it. And he is the great savior. But we're going to start with the great, great storm. So on the day that uh, Jesus has been teaching the parables, if you remember back to some of our earlier weeks in Mark, he says to his disciples when evening comes, let's go across to the other side, the other side of the Sea of Galilee and go to Gentile territory. So this is their neck of the woods and Jesus is saying, let's go across this, this sea. And leaving the crowd, the disciples, they take Jesus with them in the boat uh, just as he was. And there's other boats around too. So, so far, so good. Uh, They're going to cross a sea that they've sailed millions of times. And a number of these guys were fishermen, remember? Uh, This isn't isn't new to them. It's not new, new territory. And then verse 37 tells us, A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Now, you don't have to be a sailor to know that that's not good. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is not great. Uh, the weather is getting wild. We're talking winds howling, waves crashing, and a storm raging. I don't know if you've ever been out on the, on the ocean when, when a storm uh, comes. Um, I have uh, once when I was uh, in year 12, uh, back in January 2012, and uh, I was out on the Lewin sailing ship, um, which is a tall ship that um, does sailing, uh, particularly on the west coast of WA. And um, this, this, was, uh, this was a pretty intense experience. Um, and on, on, this, on this week away where I was there, one time I was on night watch, which um, is from 12, so midnight to 4 a.m. So, you know, nice time to be awake. <laughs> and... Um, and it was, it was pretty nuts. Outside, um, so we were out on the deck because um, we were on the watch and uh, it was black outside aside from this beautiful canopy of stars. But the wind was howling and the, the, the storm was raging. There, were, uh, there, were, there was such a great amount of water falling from the sky and then there was also water splashing me. Uh, it wasn't quite filling the boat. Um, but but I, I got a real sense of how small I am in that situation. It's like, I'm definitely not the one in control in this situation. Here is me on this ship, and here is this massive storm. We were actually going 14 knots, um, which uh, if you know anything about sailing, for a ship that size is pretty quick. Um, and uh, the wind was ferocious. We were rocking to and fro. And I remember um, standing out on the deck and it felt like we were on a 45 degree angle. Um, I never have gone on one of those pirate ship rides, <laughs> but that was my closest experience. And if, if you think about that, imagine how much worse the storm was for the disciples. This was their home turf, remember? Their home sea, the Sea of Galilee. And this was a massive part of their careers, fishermen. And they're terrified. It'd be like uh, being on a plane and um, you see the flight attendants start screaming, we're all going to (laughs) die. And at that point, you know, this isn't a normal situation. This isn't just, oh, this will blow over. Don't worry about it sort of thing. The people in the know are terrified. 
And so imagine the storm that they find themselves in. The winds howling, the waves crashing, the boat filling with water. No harnesses for them like I had on my ship. And just a very real feeling that their boat was going down and they were going down with it. And uh, to continue the aeroplane illustration, where's the captain? He's asleep. (laughs) Jesus was asleep in the boat on the cushion. And the disciples wake him up and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Now, uh, I've done done, um, some time in kids' church, which is a lot of fun. I love kids' church. Um, It's great that we've got uh, kids here. And um, I want us to have a go at doing something that I would get us to do at kids' church. You might be feeling a bit nervous and thinking, what's what's he going to say? You might already know exactly where I'm going with this. Um, But I want us to have a go at making the sounds of the storm. In, in a moment. And, um, and then I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read Jesus' words where he says, peace, be still. And I want us to hear the contrast. So if you're listening on the podcast, you might want to turn the sound down a little bit or uh, step away from your speaker because uh, it's going to get loud in here. <laughs> and I was thinking about this. I was thinking maybe people could do some, maybe some people like whistling. They make like that kind of sound. Maybe other people might like to make the sound of thunder or we could have... Uh, that sort of thing for the rain. Um, so I've never done this in a sermon before. So if this is your first time doing this, it's the same for me. I've done this in kids' church and it's worked there. So <laughs> we'll give us a crack. Um, when, as soon as we hear Jesus' words, peace be still, then we go completely silent. Everyone kind of understand what I'm talking about? All right. So uh, we'll get going in a moment. But remember, you can, you can make the sounds of the waves, the winds, the, the throwing thunder, if you like. Feel free to be loud. Um, yeah, 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 Joey, go on the drums. <laughs> all right, we'll get we'll get Joe to start us off, and then uh, and then we can all join in. Take it away, Joe. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. The great windstorm that Mark told us about in verse 37 has just been replaced by Jesus with a great calm. What amazing power Jesus has to do that to a windstorm. And that brings us to thinking about the great Savior. So following Jesus' almighty work, of calming the storm. The disciples find themselves once again afraid, but it's calm out on the water now. So what are they afraid of? Or rather, whom are they afraid of? The great windstorm was rebuked by Jesus, and instead a great calm was brought. And uh, I don't know about you, but I was like, wow, that that worked really well. Well done, everyone. That was great. Uh, to hear that contrast, isn't it? And you just imagine what it would have been like for the disciples out there on the ocean to see Jesus just stand up and tell the, the, the storm to shut up. And it did. That storm was incredibly powerful, but there's one more powerful than the storm here. The question uh, Mark has been showing us the answer to more and more in his gospel about who Jesus is, about Jesus' identity is brought up again here by the disciples in verse 41. 
Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who then is this even the wind and the sea obey him? And that's exactly the right question to ask, isn't it? This man is more powerful than the creation. Have you ever been swimming to the sea and felt a rip? Ever seen footage of a tsunami? The sea is a terrifyingly powerful thing. And yet here we have someone who controls the sea, who speaks to it like he owns it, like he made it, because he did. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, God parted the Red Sea for his people to walk to safety. And he closed it over the Egyptians, defeating them as they tried in vain to pursue his people. In the book of Jonah, which has a number of similarities to this account, it's the Lord who calms the sea, Yahweh. He's the one who made it, and he's the one who has the power to calm it. And that happens when they throw Jonah overboard. Rob read that passage for us from Psalm 107 earlier. And in there it says, uh, He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. That's what God does. It's what Jesus does. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Clearly, this is a thing to be praising God about. This kind of power is God's power. Now, it's true that anyone can go outside in a storm and say, peace, be still. But there's only one who can say, peace, be still, and it actually happens. I don't know if you've ever tried this, but uh, I didn't even bother when I was out on the Lewin to try and say to the storm, peace, be still. Only God can do that. And that, that, this shows us that Jesus is this God. He is the creator and the ruler with control over his creation. So when faced with this raging storm, he rebuked it and told the sea and the wind what to do. Peace, be still. There's awesome power there. This is the almighty God who's walking the earth. And in line with everything Mark's been telling us so far about Jesus being the king of the whole world, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it, that this king would be God himself. No one else can be king of the whole world other than God himself. And you see that not only we see Jesus' power here, but his goodness and his kindness. It appears the disciples doubted these things when they asked, do you not care that we're perishing? But Jesus is both good and kind. Look how he lovingly saves his disciples. If we take a step back for a moment and realize that at this point, the disciples hadn't yet fully grasped who Jesus is, then it helps us understand this passage a lot more. Because without knowing who Jesus is, his response does seem pretty confusing. He's asleep while the boat is going down. Shouldn't he do something to help? Like bail the water out alongside everyone else. But when we know who Jesus is, his response makes perfect sense, doesn't it? He's completely in control. 
So his disciples are safe, even if they don't know it yet. It doesn't mean that Jesus will calm every storm in our life. But the one who's calmed the ultimate storm, defeating death by dying and rising again, he keeps us safe for eternity, even though we die here and now. So how should we respond to this one who is even more powerful than the wind and the sea? The one who is loving and kind and offers us salvation. Well, Mark uses a few terms uh, again and again in his gospel um, that I'd like us to have a look at. And they're interrelated. They are fear and faith. And uh, these words help us to think about how to rightly respond to Jesus. Fear and faith. Fear Jesus, for he is almighty. Don't doubt his power. And have faith in Jesus, for he's good. Don't doubt his goodness. Let's start with fear. The disciples uh, needn't have feared the storm uh, because Jesus is more powerful than the storm. There, there are different kinds of fear. And in verse 40 at the beginning, where Jesus asks the disciples why they are so afraid, the word afraid there refers to their cowardice. When faced with the storm, they're cowardly in their response. And, and that shows a lack of trust in God. And specifically, a lack of trust in Jesus. And this kind of fear is bad because it's misplaced. Fearing the creation rather than the creator. And later, when the disciples are filled with great fear, the word fear is in reference to their reverential awe. They're terrified because they find themselves in the presence of God himself. Their response of fearing Jesus is right. The almighty creator of the world, God himself, is right there in the boat with them. And it's not surprising to see how the disciples respond when we think about how people in the Old Testament respond to being in the presence of the almighty. Terrified in the presence of the almighty God. So we we need to turn away from a cowardly fear of the creation and towards a reverential awe and fear and trust of Jesus, the fully God, fully man, Savior, who is all-powerful. We need to recognize Jesus for who he is, the almighty God. No one else can calm a storm like he did. So when we're faced with difficult circumstances, we need to ask ourselves the question, am I fearing the creation? Or am I fearing the creator? Let's not doubt his power. This Jesus is the king of the whole world. And his power was on display for all to see. Even his enemies recognized his power. And that's why you'll find uh, ancient writings that say that, that aren't Christian writings. People who hate Jesus, acknowledging that he did the miraculous, claiming uh, that he did it by evil power, but they will not deny that he did the miraculous. The only right explanation is that Jesus is indeed who he says he is, God himself, with this power to calm the storm. Where where does this reverent awe of the almighty God lead us to? Where, Where does it lead us? Faith. Jesus is all powerful. And so he's worth putting our trust in. He's, he's, in fact, he's the only one worth putting our trust in. 
all other things and all other people, including ourselves, will let others down. Jesus will never let us down. And when we look at the disciples' initial response, where they say, uh, teacher, do not care that we're perishing. It's like looking into a mirror, isn't it? How many times have we found ourselves doubting, questioning God and his goodness to us? As we look at Jesus' words, we can see the disciples had two problems here. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? One problem was a cowardly fear of the creation, and the other was a lack of faith in Jesus. It's one thing to see Jesus' power, like we did in the fear point, but we need to see not only his power, that is his ability to do something about our situation, but we need to see his love, his willingness to do something about our situation. And that's exactly what Jesus has done in coming to live on this earth that he made, to die in the place of sinners. You see here, the disciples are calling into question whether Jesus cares that they're perishing. And when we think about that, we can see their lack of faith and and, and our lack of faith. You think, what, what what a brazen thing to say to the loving God who's come and taken on flesh, who came to live to to fulfill the law, to live a perfect life, to die in the place of sinners, who came to save, asking God, "Do do you even care? There's no one who cares more. This isn't some distant, far off God who has nothing to do with his creation. No, this is the loving creator who took on flesh, who walked in his own creation that he might save his people. And knowing his amazing love and kindness in not only coming to earth, but dying the death deserved by the worst of the worst, we're rightly awestruck, aren't we? But not only by his power, but by his love. So we know that Jesus absolutely cares. That's why he came. He didn't owe it to us to come. No, he came because he's gracious and loving. So just as we mustn't doubt his power and have a healthy fear when we find ourselves in the presence of the Almighty, we mustn't doubt his love and trust him for he's good. Maybe you're here today and you aren't yet following Jesus. Um, When we see Jesus' power to save and also his love and kindness, it's true that he's without equal in this world. And we all follow someone, don't we? Uh, Whoever it is, whatever it is, I urge you to follow Jesus. He's the one who truly cares. He loves you deeply. He cares for you deeply. And he alone is able to save. And he, out of his love, has done everything necessary to save us. So come to him today. Come to Jesus. The one who calmed this storm is able to save us for eternity, to reconcile us to God and declare us righteous in his sight. And that's what we all desperately need. So come to Jesus today. And I'll lead us in a prayer and you can join me. You can give your life to Jesus 
Ask him for forgiveness and trust in him as saviour. Maybe, maybe you're here and, and you're thinking as, as we think about uh, the situations that we come into contact with, thinking, do I fear the creation or do I fear the creator? Uh, there are plenty of times in our world where it's easy to fear the creation. But just because it's easy doesn't mean it's right. Like we, we're called here to fear not the creation, not cowardly fear the creation, but, but have a reverential awe of the God who made it. And recognize that Jesus is that God. So when we come face to face with trials and difficulties of every kind, we've got to go, who's actually in control here? Still Jesus. It's always been him. It always will be him. And there's great comfort in that as well, knowing that we can trust in him and he will keep us safe. And, and, and he will keep us safe, not from every, everything here and now that happens, but he'll keep us safe when it matters in eternity. And he is firm through every drought and storm, as we've said in our song. And also, we, we, we see here the disciples' lack of faith in Jesus. And um, when we look at our own lives, we see how we, we don't have a perfect trust of Jesus, but the one we trust in is perfect. And so we come to him and we say, Lord, we are sinners. We trust in you, Jesus. We trust you, the Savior, the one who is able to save us. We're awestruck by your power, Lord, and the one who is willing to save us. We're awestruck by your love. Please join me as we pray. Lord Jesus, as we read this amazing account, we are filled with awe. Awe at your power, the fact that you can say to a storm, peace be still, and it listens to you that you speak to the creation as the creator. Lord, we are in awe of your power. We are also in awe, Lord, of your love, that you would love people like us, that you would come to this world to save people like us, that you, you took on flesh. What an amazing act of humility. And then you went to the cross, Jesus, in our place. And so we are just filled with awe and gratitude. So, Lord, we confess that we are sinners. We aren't worthy, but we trust you, Jesus. And we ask that you would forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.